from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And now a word of warning about our next conversation. This discussion will include sensitive topics such as suicide and aggressive policing. Please listen with discretion. And if you or someone you know is in a crisis situation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. There's got to be some accountability. There's got to be some change. Our lives matter also. It is a known fact in St. Louis that that area is notorious for f***ed up police. I would like the detectives, all of them, to look at it as if it was one of their family members. I'm Sarah Fenske. For years, questions have swirled about the many, many deaths linked to protesters active in the Ferguson movement. That includes Darren Seals, who was found dead of a gunshot wound and his car aflame. It includes Edward Crawford, who was captured in a Pulitzer Prize-winning photo throwing a, a canister of tear gas away from protesters. Police said he shot himself while sitting in the back seat of a car driven by friends. And it includes Donye Dion Jones. He is the son of frontline Ferguson activist Melissa McInnes, and he was found hanging from a tree behind the family's home in Spanish Lake. Police quickly pronounced it a suicide. His mother has pushed back. Donye died in October of 2018, and the questions around his death are now the focus of a new podcast from iHeartMedia. It's titled After the Uprising, and it paints a portrait of a mother's questions and her grief. The only way that I would hear Donye's voice is if I would make myself hear him. You know, that I would not hear him say, Ma, or hear him laughing downstairs, you know, because he would be down there watching TV and I hear his crazy laugh. (laughs) Or sometimes I could see him in the kitchen talking to me. Sometimes I can hear, see him on the red chase with his feet, his long legs and his feet hanging over. That was his favorite seat in the house was the red chase. And he would sit in that chase and when he talked, he, he, he had this very, very deep voice. You're a big boy, you four years old. Say, and I will hear. And that is from the new podcast after the uprising. And joining us today to talk about it is documentary filmmaker and podcast producer Ray Novoshelsky. Ray, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate you. And we're also joined today by Melissa McKinnis. She was a Ferguson frontline activist, and she is the mother of Donye Dion Jones. Melissa, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Melissa, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and we heard your son's voice there in that mm-hmm. brief podcast excerpt. I know that's so hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. Tell us about him. What was he like in life? Oh, gosh. Um, 
Danye was a fighter um, from day one. He was a fighter. Um, he was born prematurely um, due to um, he had he had um, an umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So he was came in fighting, kicking and screaming. And ever since then, he's just been this go getter, this protector and huge heart. That was Danye. We can hear in that laugh there, it sounds like he had a, just a big personality, mm -hmm. a, a big zest for life. Yes. So tell us about that day. This was October 17th of, of 2018. Can you just briefly describe how you found him on that awful day? Well, um, I had woke up from having a weird nightmare, and I woke up um, with my hands hurting. It was it was real weird and so I had called my husband because it scared me and I couldn't go back to sleep and um, so I looked well we looked for um, Danye because he had left the light on down in the basement and he wasn't down there and um, I decided to go out to the backyard and um, I walked up and looked over and it was like a light shining on the tree and um, something just told me to look up and I looked up and I saw my son hanging there. I mean that just had to be the the most awful moment and you called the St. Louis County Police. What response did you get from them that morning? Um, well you'll hear it in the podcast um i was screaming out of control and um outdoors my husband and my brother was out there with Danye and they were they called 911 also so they had two calls coming from the same you know home mm -hmm. and they were letting him them know that what they saw and um the 911 operator told them to take him down from the tree and so my brother he he didn't think that sounded right, and he, he all him and my husband they just thought that the whole scene looked, you know, suspicious. And my husband, being a ex military man, he knew that the the rope, well, the sheet was tied in military style, hmm. which is a very difficult, you know, style knot. And so they thought that they should take the pictures before. You know, because it all looked suspicious. Because they thought this was a crime scene. Yeah, and his pants were rolled down, you know, over his ankles, outward. So it all looked a little weird, you know. And and when the police showed up, um, did you get the sense they were investigating this as if this was a crime scene? Well, yeah, they told me when they came in the house. Um, they told me that that's what they'll be investigating it as. Okay. So they at least said they were going to do an investigation. Yes. Okay. Ray, you got involved with this podcast not very long um, after all of this happened. What first got you interested in this case? Well, you know, I think we took Melissa and Danye's family at face value. It, it seemed shocking to us to hear a family uh, saying, and this is how we interpreted it, um, you know, uh, we've been protesting the police for the last four years. We now believe the police are going to rule this a suicide, and we don't believe it was a suicide. We believe it was a homicide. Help us, essentially, they were saying to the public. Um, 
So we called Melissa up and we said, we don't want to be one of these situations where we come in like the nightly news maybe has, interview you, drop it, and then forget about it. We think this is something that requires an extended amount of time. And it's, it ended up being a two and a half year journey that, um, that we took with Melissa to try to get to the bottom of this. And, and at that point, Ray, this was officially still an open case, but the police, you got the sense pretty quickly they'd made their mind up. Is, is that right? Yeah, well, Melissa got the sense right off the bat, and her family did that morning as the lead detective was leaving the house, which she could more appropriately tell you about. But, but even if you looked at early news reporting on this, it appeared that the local media had turned to their contacts in St. Louis County PD, and they had been given the distinct impression this was solely being looked at as a suicide. So well, we thought, well, what happens if we look at it as a homicide? What do we find? Melissa, how quickly did you get the sense that's where police were headed with this? The same day. That same day? Yeah. That same day, and then also... Um, to um, one of the lead police officers or detectives, they had come to my home and they let us know again the same thing that they had let us know a couple weeks prior to that. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of figured it out anyway. And did they share with you, here's the reasons why we think this was a suicide? Well, they said because there was no sign of a struggle. And that was basically it as yep. far as they were concerned. Exactly. Was there anything about your son at that point where he would have been in distress or he was sending out signals that, that suicide was something that would have been on his mind? No. That's why it was so surprising to all of us. We was trying to come up with reasons um, why, you know, it could be. And the more we thought about it, the more we were like, no. He no. was not a depressed no. young man. No, he was excited about his new business that he had just started. Um Danye, he was he was an activist of his own, and he he wanted he, this is what he told us is that he was going to get um, dual citizenship to Africa, and he was going to get property out there to home the home to house the homeless there, and also here, you know. And so he was all excited about that. But first, he had to get it off here, and that's what he had been focusing on. So he had plans. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually in the midst of all of it. That and he was night. excited about those Very plans. excited. So, Ray, you said that you decided that you were going to investigate this like it was a crime scene, to do this investigation that the police didn't seem to be doing. And I want to home in on a piece of information that comes to light in Episode 3. This just dropped on Tuesday. And again, this is of the podcast After the Uprising on iHeartMedia. Um, what did you learn about the DNA on the bedsheet? That was the first of what became a number of just sort of moments where our jaws just dropped and we couldn't believe. Uh, and it was a conversation I had with the pathologist, Dr. Gershom Norfleet, uh, and he sort of just mentioned in passing his awareness that the, uh, that the police crime lab had done a swab of the sheet and had found uh, one or more additional male's DNA besides for Danye on that sheet. And I think the most shocking part, honestly, was when we learned that that information had come a couple weeks after Melissa held her press conference, after she had posted uh, the photo of her son hanging that had gone viral, and the response by the lead detective uh, upon learning that was not to swab the sheet again for better, you know, uh, for, for DNA information or 
or to test uh, Derek and Daniel, uh, Melissa's brother and husband, the two other males in the house, to see if they could eliminate them. Uh, nothing further was done with this until the case was closed in, in July. Right, and so what you're saying is that other DNA on that bedsheet, they haven't, they haven't eliminated other people from it. They haven't, they haven't tested it. That's right. So, Ray, in this podcast, you talk to activist Tef Poe, and you talk to him about policing in St. Louis County. Here's what he told you. It is a known fact in St. Louis that that area is notorious for f***ed up policing. We grow up telling each other, like, yo, if you live in the county after 9 o'clock, I'm not coming to get you. At the end of the night, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, how many people we got with us? Four or five of us? that we're not getting somebody sleeping on somebody's couch bro i'll take you home in the morning i ain't driving through the county at night and if and if i do drive through the county it's gonna be two people in my car i'm not riding i'm not riding five deep four four or five black dudes in a car driving through north county bro we're getting pulled over period my brother got shot on christmas eve in ferguson leaving my mom's crib my brother's laying there bleeding out on the parking lot and he has to hear cops stepping over him and, you know, dropping in bombs, calling, you know, filthy all they do is shoot each other. Uh, you know, who gives a fuck if he dies? He He's sitting here gasping his for his final breaths, possibly. And they're asking him, who shot you? You know who shot you, you know? And that's just how we get treated, man. That's just how we get treated. That is the activist, Tef Poe. And, and Ray, here's what he told you about the police investigation. Similar to when Darren Seals was, was killed. They didn't really do an investigation. They're not going to really do an investigation. With this situation, I'm not saying that it did, did or didn't happen. I'm saying that on Donye, I'll say it very candidly, knowing that this will make me a target, saying it's coming out of my mouth. The police here, they're not going to investigate, adequately investigate the deaths of any prominent activists or anybody attached to those activists. And that, again, is the activist, Hef Poe. Melissa, hearing what he stated there about the relationship between the police and, and people in your community and, and how he feels like the police weren't going to take this seriously no matter what, is that part of your concern here? That's my one of my biggest concerns here. Um, because let me say this, um, this is not an attack on all police officers. This is an attack on the ones that are not being held accountable for their lack of investigating a black man's death, um, a murder. So um, there's got to be some accountability. There's got to be some change because, you know, like, like I've always said, you know, our lives matter also. So the St. Louis County Police, they did officially find this a suicide. And in the podcast in early 19, Ray, you talked to Police Sergeant Sean McGuire about this case. We're going to play an excerpt here of what he told you. Ever since the start of this and our detectives with Crimes Against Persons, you know, they're they the ones that were called to the scene. Um, all signs right off the bat pointed that this was a suicide. So it kind of remained that as the investigation continued, as the investigation even proceeded from there, um, after they talked to family and friends and physical evidence at the scene, and, and now even the medical examiner's report's been released. Um, obviously, that's a big part of our case as well. Um, but. But it's one of those things that it never really lost focus on it being a suicide. And we were pretty straightforward on uh, ever since the beginning on that, when when his mother was out on social media. And, and that's the thing here about, too, John. I mean, we, we're, we're not really releasing too much of this is why it's a suicide and, you know, this is what we have and this is what we found out about Danye and, 
that type of stuff because it doesn't really help anybody. You know, we understand that his family and friends are, are going through a rough time, especially, you know, weeks after after this kind of breaks and she's, you know, going to social media and trying to say that, you know, people murdered her son and, and that type of stuff. And, you know, we just, we never get into those kind of engagements with a victim's uh, family. We're not going to be, we don't win anything on that. We know what the facts of the case are. We know, you know, what detectives are investigating and what they saw and, and, and who they talked to and, and the medical examiner's report and all that type of stuff. So we, we never are ever going to go out there and say, well, you know, Donnie's mom is wrong. And that is St. Louis Police Sergeant Sean McGuire, um, and that um, audio is from the podcast After the Uprising from iHeartMedia. Melissa, hearing what he said there, I'd, I'd love to hear your response to that. Um, my response is um, I, would, I would like Sean, I would like the detectives, all of them, to look, as, look at it as if it was one of their family members. Um, their sons or brothers or something like that. And and um, I would like them to speak on it as if it was one of theirs, their family members, not just, you know, another um, black man, another statistic. Um, it that, that part is what hurts the most is because um, that's my baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm tired of the crying. I'm tired of the sleepless nights. And um, I just feel that we deserve more respect. You know? and, and Ray, we heard uh, Sergeant McGuire defend this investigation there, basically saying there's things that we know that we're not going to share with this family. And, and we don't have to show you everything. Mm-hmm. We, we've come to this conclusion because we've done our homework. Now that you've spent so much time looking into this case, I'm, I'm curious what you think. Have they done their homework? Did they get this one right? Yeah. And so that was early 2019 when that call happened. And uh, my longtime journalism partner and bestie, John Duffy, was the one who had done that call. At that time, Sergeant McGuire made him seem that there were a lot of these like reasons that we didn't understand why it was going to be determined suicide, but it'd all be clear when the reports dropped. And so now, yeah, we have the benefit of those reports and we've taken the medical examiner's report and we've taken the uh, county police report uh, headed by lead detective uh, Timothy Anderer and we've broken them down. We've timelined every bit of information in those reports. And so we were able to see exactly what they looked into and what they were looking into at the time we were talking with Sergeant McGuire. Let me lay that out real fast, if, if I may. So after the day of October 17th, 2018, uh, when Danye was found in the, in the backyard, um, it, it appears that, uh, based on the reports that Detective Anderer did only th- three real things after that until he filed his report. One of them was that he had the, the uh, sheet swab for DNA. That happened uh, right after Melissa's first viral, you know, post went viral. It was like the next day. Uh, he set up a, a follow-up in which he sent his supervisor over to Melissa's house to get more information, um, uh, which she felt was more of a, why are you putting these homicide assertions out in the public than it was a real attempt to try to get information. The third thing was he reviewed the medical examiner's report when it dropped in January of 2019. And the fourth thing, belatedly in June, was he reviewed the 911 calls, transcribed them, put them into his report, and submitted it. Uh, that's what took eight months 
So this was a, a minimal investigation based on everything you've seen, Ray. I wouldn't want to characterize it. I'll let your audience, uh, you know, uh, take that information and think on that. Yeah. Well, for more on this on this investigation, that's after the uprising. You can find this on iHeartMedia. We have a link on our website. Um, there's quite a few episodes of this. Another one drops on Tuesday, July 6th. Melissa, I want to come back to you here just in, a, in our final question. I mean, you've been dealing with so much for such a long time here. And I know this must be just such a burden on you. Has it been hard to even continue to, to live life and, and to go advocate for the causes that are so important to you in light of this being something you're dealing with? Um, yes, it's been very difficult. Um, it's, life has been very difficult. But um, what I began doing, I've, I have to tell myself every morning, I have to continue to do. I have to continue to fight for the injustices. I have to continue to fight for my son Danye. I have to. I have to continue to fight for you know anyone that doesn't have a voice anymore, whose voices were stolen. Um, but I do it with more um, emotion now, more hurt, more pain. Um, so yes, it's. it's a lot more difficult now than it was before because it's a lot more personal. Well, Melissa McKinnis, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing about this. And Ray Novoselsky, a journalist and filmmaker, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You can find After the Uprising on iHeartRadio.com. And a reminder, if you or someone you know is in a crisis situation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.